Blog Talk Radio. Hello, boxing fans. Welcome to another episode of World Championship Boxing. And today we're talking about the Ring Magazine Awards for 2018. And I'm joined once again by One Silva. What's up, man? Hey, good afternoon, Logan. Good afternoon, fight fans. As we do our annual comparison of the Ring Awards with our awards. And um, out of the seven awards that we'll talk about, Ring Magazine and, and World Championship Boxing, our podcast, agreed on for them. And the other three, I mean, can't argue with the other three. The other three were, were uh, our three selections were definite runner-ups to their selections. So uh, very comparable list this year. This is the most uh, in agreement we've been with Ring Magazine since we started this program. So, I mean, last year there was a... The, the four that we that we agreed on were clear-cut, clear-cut. I mean, you, you couldn't have asked. No one else could have deserved those awards. And we'll start with the we'll, – we'll, we'll do the major awards last, and we'll, we'll start with the, the lesser-known awards first. And the first one we'll talk about is event of the year. Our event of the year was the Canelo Triple G September rematch. Um, their event of the year – and, well, I understand why they did it, but um, was the, the death of HBO boxing. Uh, that's not really an event. <laughs> I I understand, but I, I'm glad they mentioned it because they brought up it a couple of facts that it was significant. I mean, in our opinion, it wasn't that significant, Triple G versus Canelo too, but it was significant in terms of, the boxing landscape and the boxing television landscape and how HBO failed to capitalize on the growing momentum in boxing, stuck to their old ways, and, like WCW in 2001, died a horrific death. And the last card they, they showed, December 8th, and uh, this is a testament to how, how, how uh, HBO had fallen. Their telecast, only 250,000 people watched their last telecast. Real. This was a network that would have 2 to 4 million people, up to 5 million people watch their boxing programs at the height of their popularity. Their final boxing card, 250,000 people watched. Yeah, but it wasn't a great card. I mean, it was, uh, understood. Uh... And they should have put out something, but by this point in time, something. You know what? You have care. a point. They could have had, if it was up to me, HBO would have had the Canelo Rocky Fielding fight, which happened a week later. They could have negotiated. I mean, Canelo was HBO fighter. They could have had that at their last um, card. It would have been a nice outgoing, would have been much bigger viewership, and you could use it as a platform to try to get subscribers. HBO always used boxing as a way to get paychecks. Yeah, but you know what? They their shows, their other shows. I mean, the thing is, they're doing so well with their other shows that I think they they're doing the incredi- they do it incredibly well. Well, with Westworld, with Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah, that especially. The failures of their sports programming is offset by their spectacular. HBO is taking a chunk. Since the Sopranos premiered in 1999, and with The Wire, 
and all the other great programming, True Detective, so forth, HBO is taking a chunk out of network television viewership and has helped. It was HBO that helped usher in this golden age of television era that we're in since 1999, which launched with The Sopranos in 1999. HBO has put a lot of money in television. They used to put great money into boxing. No longer. And boxing died. And that was their event of the year. I disagree with it, but I understand why they did it. HBO, for 45 years, was a standard bearer in boxing. With television boxing, no longer. And um, the, the bad part is, Hall of Fame announcer Jim Lampley is no longer calling fights. And he's under contract to HBO. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, for billions of dollars yeah. a year, what's he doing? He's staying at home, watching television, I guess. <laughs> he's like, he's Tony Schiavone. <laughs> no, no. He's become... Actually, he's probably more like a Goldberg. Goldberg stayed home for years. Right. He has collected billions of dollars. He had nothing to do. After doing nothing, yeah. Doing nothing. yeah. <laughs> so I bet you he does was, some, he'll do some retrospective specials or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He was, since he was already under contract to ESPN, now has a weekly boxing program on ESPN. And um, should be he should be announcing the fights. They still got this, this Mark Kriegel, who, while they've limited his talking to in-between rounds, still has gone off. ESPN has finally listened to the fight fans, and Mark Kriegel is uh, doing color commentating while the fight is going on. Only in between rounds does he spew his nonsense. They okay. have Andre Ward. Andre Ward has joined Joe Tessitore and Timothy Bradley, and Bradley's better because now he's bouncing off Andre Ward, who ex-future uh, Hall of Fame champion in the booth with Joe Tessitore, Who's a tremendous play-by-play guy? Tessator is best with Teddy Atlas, who they banned because I because he cried, and rightfully so, about the horrible decision two years ago that Jeff Ford got over Manny Pacquiao, and Bob Arum pissed off because he's the main, he's the main guy. They haven't. I know, but that decision wasn't like ESPN's fault, right? That was just the judges. Anyway, let's. Anyway, you're back. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, it wasn't, so it, it wasn't ESPN's fault, though, right? I mean, it was it was a I bad decision late. by I the judges. Late. No, no, no. But it's ESPN's fault that they allowed Bob Barrett to. Uh, I know. I'm just saying, though. Why was they, why are they mad at him for Top calling Frank out was, the bad decision? I think Top Rank was bad because uh, Bob Arum is not not only was promoted with Jeff Ward's promoter, and I think it was it was Bob Arum. I think it was Bob Arum. I think it was Top Rank that went and told his pen, I don't want Teddy Atlas on my program anymore. Teddy Atlas is too honest. They put Mark Cooper right. to replace who's horrible, who doesn't know anything about boxing. He's just horrible. He's horrific. And now they got him in between rounds, talking nonsense, spouting nonsense. Oh well, I I, I watched him train this weekend, and he he, he 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 was learning a new technique to go to the bike. Shut the fuck up! Right? <laughs> they got Andre Ward uh, doing a color color commentating with Timothy Bradley and Joe Tessitore. But 
If it, if it was up to me, the team would be Joe Tessitore, Teddy Atlas, and Max Kellerman. And you could leave Andre Ward and Timothy Bradley uh, in between rounds. Okay, go ahead. All right, so enough of that. Let's go on to the next award, Comeback of the Year, in which both uh, Ring Magazine and us are in agreement. And that was Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury was all but dead. He was a drug-addicted, uh, alcoholic, suicide guy 18 months ago. He really had given up. He was battling depression, clinical depression, bipolar. His career was all. He was over 100 pounds overweight. His career was over. He dedicated himself, and in 2018, for three times, beating Deontay Wilder, he would have beaten Wilder had he not gotten knocked down in the 12th and final round. And getting knocked down, was out on his feet when he went down. I thought it was over. And he rose yeah. from the dead to not only survive, but to stagger Wilder with a right hand of his own before the bell rang to secure the draw. He would have won the fight had he not got knocked down. Got a draw and easily was the comeback fight of the year in a great inspiration story, inspirational story for those battling bipolar disorder. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he got better than he was when he fought against uh, Klitschko. Huh? Uh, he fought the same. He fought the same type of fight. I don't say he was better. Uh, see, uh, Klitschko didn't do anything for ten rounds. At least Wilder was throwing punches. Klitschko was just standing there, like, well, "What am I supposed to do with this guy?" Uh, nah, but Wilder, he, fought, he, he didn't go to the body enough, right? Uh, Wilder doesn't go to the body at all, at all. I see. The, he doesn't. He, the, the first body punch he throws Logan will be the first body punch. He ever. <laughs> but he should. He, he should win a lot more but, fights. Uh, he oh well, he's never lost. I'm not, like, I mean, and he's knocked out all but two of his opponents. But still, when he hurt Fury in that 12th round, Fury was out of the seat when he got up. He goes to the body. Fury gets knocked out. They were still over 90 seconds left. No, he throws wild haymakers. And walks into a right hand, and he gets stunned. Fury's not a body puncher either. So they just hugged each other for the last minute of the fight. The fight to draw. Who hadn't fought in damn, damn near three years when he came back. And now is, um, they're all but signed for a rematch in June. Yeah, so... What do you think Wilder is going to do differently in this next fight to try to more decisively? I, I, I see him. I see him trying to uh, go all out earlier than he did because in this fight he was throwing haymakers, and while he threw more punches than Fury, he landed less punches and uh, didn't didn't really start hurting Fury to the middle of the fight. I think if he steps it up some, he has a chance of knocking out Fury early. Because remember, he knocked out Fury twice. At both times, Fury was in, was in deep trouble. Right. You were, you were saying that Deontay Wilder hits the hardest in the heavyweight division. He has the, hard, he has the hardest punch in the heavyweight division since the prime Mike Tyson. So he's, he's kind of like an overgrown, um, an overgrown Michael Hearns, right? Tom, no, I mean, Tommy I, Hearns. I would, no, no, I would compare him to uh, Ernie Shavers. Ernie Shavers was one dimension. Ernie Shavers had probably 
other than Wilder and Mike Tyson and George Foreman, the strongest right cross in the history of boxing. He severely hurt Muhammad Ali, and he had Larry Holmes all but dead with a right with the same right hand. But Ernie Shavers was one-dimensional. All he had was that right hand. He couldn't jab. He wasn't. He wasn't. He, he had a tremendous punch that carried him to a 30-year career where he had some tremendous. He knocked out Ken Norton in the first round. Okay, reminds reminds me of a modern-day Ernie Shavers. But a modern-day Ernie Shavers not going to beat an Anthony Joshua. He might not beat Tyson Fury in a rematch. He, uh, Alexander Usyk, who we'll talk about later, because he relies too heavily on that right cross. Deontay Wilder has a very naturally good left jab. I wish that Emmanuel Stewart was still alive, because if Emmanuel Stewart was still alive, he would seek seek out Deontay Wilder and teach him how to use that jab like he did Lennox Lewis. Yeah, well, I, it's too bad he's not here because... No, and, but the sad use... part about it, Logan, is Mark Breland is Deontay Wilder's trainer, and he had a tremendous left jab with the strong right hand. And when Wilder first won the heavyweight title of the world, the WBC title, when he beat Burbank Stiverd, it was 12 rounds in boxing, and he utilized that jab beautifully. He's digressed since then and just become a seek-and-destroy fighter. In fact, go to cut it, and it will not beat the likes of Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk in, in the heavyweight division. Well, unless he catches them, he might. Uh, great, great boxers find a way not to get caught with that punch. But when that, when we, we'll, we'll talk about that when that time comes. Uh, if that fight ever happens. If that fight ever happens, because uh, well, never mind. We go off to the, the, the we we talked about that in other other ones. Let's go to upset of the year. Our upset of the year was Roberto Ramirez's like twenty five thousand to one underdog knockout of the former world champion. Well, I can't disagree with with uh, Ring Magazine's of uh, choice. It was Christopher Christopher Rosales's ninth round KO of one of the one of the up and coming look to be one of the great uh, Japanese fighters of a renaissance. Not only is boxing in the United States going through renaissance, boxing in England and Japan is going through a huge renaissance. Japan has more world champions than ever before in their history today. So I thought Rosales was going to go by the wayside like other fighters because. The flyweight champion of the world, Daigo Daigo Higa, just looked like he was on his way to fighting other great flyweights or Japanese flyweights. Because right now the lower weights are flourishing in Japan. No, Rosales the hell out of Higa, stopping him in the ninth round, winning the upset of the year for Ring Magazine, and I I don't I I I don't disagree. It was a, a tremendous and. Uh, one of their runner-ups was, was one of our runner-ups was Elider Alvarez's knockout of Sergey Kovalev. Uh, Kovalev a couple of weeks ago reversed uh, that and won back the belt as Alvarez didn't show up. He was fighting like Deontay Wilder, looking for one shot. Unfortunately, he doesn't have Deontay Wilder type power and lost an easy decision to Sergey Kovalev. Now we go on. To the round of the year, which once again we're in disagreement with HBO, but I understand why they did what they did. 
I can't you mean it with Ring? With Ring Magazine. I, I can't disagree with Ring Magazine. Um, our choice was the 12th and final round of Sir Rog Versailles and Juan Francisco Estrada. That 12th round was one of the great 12 rounds in boxing history, and it was one of HBO's runner-ups. But HBO's round of the year was the aforementioned 12th round between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. And I understand why Ring Magazine chose this round as the round of the year. Historically, it's important. That knockdown doesn't happen. Fury regains the, heavyweight, the WBC heavyweight championship of the world. And more pressure has to be put on for Anthony Joshua to fight him. That knockdown saves Wilder, gives him a draw, and it was a tremendous round because when Fury got up from the dead, because he was all out for dead, he hurt Wilder, and Wilder had to hold on in order to... Yeah, I mean, easily the best round of the year in a long time in heavyweight history, right? Except for maybe that Joshua Klitschko no, round. No, that, that, uh, last year, Joshua, two years ago, Joshua Klitschko, that, the, the round that we, we picked as the round of the year. Right. Uh, it was the fifth or sixth round where uh, Joshua hurt Klitschko, and then Klitschko knocked him down. That was, that was a better round than this round. This right. round had more drama because it was the 12th and final round. Yes, but it definitely rivaled that one. And uh, so that was their pick, and that was kind of our runner-up. Um, and, one, and also one of our runner-ups was their runner-up, the Alex Facito lenny Tapavigna fight, which was a oh, tremendous yeah. war. Round four, which was one of our runner-ups, was their runner-up as well. So uh, give a credit to, uh, to Ring Magazine as among – because Wilder Fury was also one of our runner-ups. So our, our, our runner-ups were well-represented, as well as the one that we decided to sort of run beside Estrada, 12th and final round. Now, knockout of the year. The next, unanimous with us, they're all in accordance. The knockout of the year at 2018 was a sensational year for knock, one-punch knockout. I mean, there was so many. But one stood above all of them. The guy, we're talking about Japanese fighters, this guy is going to go down as the single greatest Japanese fighter of all time when he retires, and he's got the potential to be the second greatest Asian fighter of all time after the great Manny Pacquiao. I'm not sure he'll be around long enough to surpass Manny. Manny was an international superstar who beat guys 20, 30 pounds bigger than him. I don't know if I know he could do that, but... Oh, the potential is there. And his one-punch knockout of one Carlos Payano man hers playbook. Just straight out the playbook. Power jab, blinding the opponent, followed by a right cross that puts you to sleep. Payano was out before he hit the canvas. A sensational knockout in less than 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's when you hit that punch right. That's what happens. Right down the middle. Good night, Irene. The referee about about to bother count. Um, I think Payano's still out. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's still out again. <laughs> Somebody wake this dude up. Um, the Teofimo Tf- Lopez Mason Menard fight, the one where they both did the Heisman pose. Um, Menard went down with the Heisman pose. And Lopez celebrated with the uh, Heisman Post. 
was one of our runner-ups and was their runner-up. So, once again, H uh, Ring Magazine in agreement with us with their uh, kind of the year. Tremendous. I mean, just tremendous. And also, they uh, they mentioned Dylan White versus Lucas Brown, but nah, Dylan White's knockout of Derek Chisora was even more sensational. Yeah. That was, that was, in my opinion, the greatest knockout by a heavyweight in many, many, many years. I mean, wow. That's up there with the Tyson knockout of, uh, of Michael Spinks and Trevor Burgess. I mean, that was just fantastic. I mean, I, you, 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 you might have saw the first major heavyweight fight and in a murder and in, in, in a ring death because this dude was, I mean, that was violent. He was up on his feet and his, and his head bounced off the canvas like a basketball. The reason that wasn't a runner-up was because Ring Magazine finished publishing this article before that fight took place, which I have major issues with. Ring Magazine used to wait until after the first of the year to start publishing this magazine, to, to finish writing and start production on the magazine. I guess they wanted to, to publish this magazine earlier than before. So December 9th was the cutoff date. You still had two weeks. You know, I'm sorry, you still had three weeks of major fights. I mean, they missed the, they missed the Charlo brothers. Uh, uh, one of the Charlo brothers get upset in one of the worst decisions I've ever seen against Tony Harrison. They missed the Derek Chisora getting, getting put to sleep at a great heavyweight fight. This was the best heavyweight fight I've seen in years. We, we reviewed that fight on, on, the, on the, 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 the best fights of 2018. Tremendous war before Chisora was put to sleep. The best heavyweight fight in years. The best heavyweight fight in years. He was, I thought this fight was, fight was even better than Joshua versus Klitschko. Great fight. A lot of action. And Donnie Nietes, uh, unif- uh, unified, winning the WBO super lightweight title and putting him in in, in contention to fight Saul Ruggensai and Chocolatito sometime this year. So, Ring Magazine dropped the ball by published by ending their, their, their cutoff date too soon. There was still a lot of great boxing and important boxing. To, yeah, but uh, would any of them would any of them won the award? Uh, besides the heavyweight White one? Chisoro, White Chisora yeah. would definitely have been in contention for fight of the year and knockout of the year. They would have won. They would have won. That fight wasn't better than, than our pick and, and Ring Magazine's pick. And the knockout of the year wasn't better than Adobe's knockout of Piano. But it, it, it deserved a mention. It was all that level. Right. And it got left That out. was their right. knockout of the year, which was in agreement with ours. And the, their fight of the year is our fight of the year. The Canelo Triple G rematch. A great technical fight. And boy, Ring Magazine must have listened to our podcast about this fight because they wrote in in, in, in one of their articles in, 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 in this month uh, thing that it was the most skilled fight between two middleweights since the first fight between James Tony and Mike McCollum in December of 1991. I said the same thing on this podcast and I, I believe I said the same thing on our boy Double G's podcast on the Fight Game blog. So Somebody's out there stealing my shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's but, that's the sincerest form of flattery. But, yeah, but in agreement, totally agreement. This was 
the most skilly, skilled, great fight between two middleweights since James Tony and Mike Collins in the International Box Hall of Fame. Tony's just retired, so it'll be a few years before he gets in. He's definitely a first uh, first battle Hall of Famer. Two of the greatest fighters of the last 30 years, and definitely, the- definitely. I mean, and the fights were similar with a great 12th round, but oh my God. This was a the question, fight. Yeah. The question I but, have for you is who came out of that fight with more damage long term? Triple G because he's older. Okay, but about the same, right? Like I just, know. Canelo, Canelo in his last fight looked like there was no effect. <laughs> it was <laughs> no effect. He came we haven't seen Triple he G brutalized, yet. He brutalized that punching bag. <laughs> he brutalized. Yeah, well. <laughs> but, I mean, those kind of fights are what really wear boxers down. So but, we'll and what you see, Triple G is older, so it's going to, it's going to be worse for him in the long run. Because he's lost his step. And it, while Canelo's in his try. Yeah, Canelo stepped up his game for real. Yeah. All right, and, uh, so. I want to say right, right now, gun to my head, Canelo Alvarez is going to wind up as the third greatest Mexican fighter of all time. He has developed into a great two-way fighter, a great boxer puncher, great counter puncher. He's got all one of the best body, the best bo- body puncher in the game today. I mean, the body punches he landed on both in both fights against Triple G and against that punchy bag Rocky Fielding sound like a plane door shutting. I mean, just powerful. He's got tremendous, he's a tremendous body combination. His left jab has gotten better. I mean, he's become a complete fighter. And I would, the guy who fought Floyd Mayweather and was thoroughly outclassed, I could have, I would have never saw that. He's become a better fighter fighting Triple G. So I give Canelo Alvarez all the credit in the world. By the end of his career, he'll be the third greatest Mexican fighter of all time. I don't think he can ever do enough to surpass Salvador Sanchez and Ricardo Lopez. But he's well on his way to surpassing Barrera, Morales, Marquez, and Julio Cesar Chavez. Because he's a better two-way fighter than these guys. I I would have never thought that. I would have smacked somebody five years ago if they would have told me what I'm saying right now. No. Canelo, he's a tremendous fighter. Kudos to Canelo for becoming a better fighter and a great fighter. And kudos to Oscar De La Hoya because that's the blueprint. He put the, His career was the blueprint for Canelo's career, and they followed it to a team. There you go. All right, so what's next? All right, now our final award the fighter of the year, and this was no contest. Alexander Yusek won the Ring Magazine and became undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world, had the greatest year for a cruiserweight since Evander Holyfield 30 years ago. I mean, and he's the second greatest cruiserweight of all time after Evander Holyfield. So he's following Evander Holyfield's lead. Alexander Yusek is six foot three. Tremendous boxer, tremendous boxer. He's got all the tools in the world. He could compete with the Joshua's and the Wilders and the Whites, the Fury, because he's tall enough and he's skilled enough to go up there and give those guys hell. Usyk has moved as is no longer cruiserweight. He decided to move up to, to heavyweight, and cruiserweights all over the world are jumping up and down. 
because they're spared a beating. They're spared a fucking beating. Because Usyk went into 2018 and he beat three very good fighters easily. Putting the last fighter, Tony Bellu, three movies, into a, knocked him out and put him into retirement. Wow. So who's he going to fight next in the heavyweight division? Oh, he's fighting Alexander Povetkin, who's a top five heavyweight. The last time Povetkin was in the race, they were screaming off off the canvas after Joshua knocked him out. Okay. So he'll beat him. Well, Povetkin's an Olympic gold medalist, a a, a good boxer, a good boxer, but he's not in Usyk's league. Maybe five years ago, not today. For that kid has failed uh, steroid tests, which is I think the the steroids have, have not benefited him. It's it, it made it worse for him because this guy has become more of a seek and destroy fighter than the boxer he used to be, and that's just not going to work against a master boxer like Alexander Usyk. And so, if he went, provided he gets past Povetkin, which we expect. Who do you think he should challenge after he I wins would, I would put him in the ring with uh, Luis Ortiz or Dillian White. Dillian White. Dillian White or, or Luis Ortiz. And then, after that, you put him in with one of the big three. Okay. And who knows? You could be looking at uh, the next heavyweight champion of the world in this guy. So I, Eventually, I think tools. he will become. I think he will be heavyweight one of the champion three. of the world. Yes, I, yeah, I I think eventually he definitely beats Wilder because he's that type of boxer that's going to avoid that right hand. He's that great of a boxer where his strategy will to outbox Wilder and stay away. He won't be like uh, Fury who got caught twice with that right cross. He's going. He's a better boxer than you. Usyk is the <laughs> real deal. Who do you compare Usyk to in the past for boxers in the past? Like a Holyfield. Oh, very similar. You know what? You put the nail on there. Very similar to a Holyfield. They have the same type of tools. Great jab. They throw combinations. They don't waste punches. They don't waste movement. Excellent. Excellent comparison. And they're strong. They're fucking strong. Two of the strongest fighters I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I don't see him getting hit a lot, too. I mean, he's seen a pretty good defensive fight. Well, yeah. He's a better defensive fighter than Holyfield. That's the, that's the big difference. Holyfield was in one too many wars where Usyk will not allow himself to get the war. You can't get a war with a, with a Deontay Wilder. You'll, you'll, you'll be the hostage. But you still say that Holyfield is a, He's a better cruiser. A better... Holyfield, at cru- Holyfield at cruiserweight was a perfect fighter. Okay. He didn't start getting into those wars until he was a heavyweight. Holyfield at Cruiserweight had one war, and that was against Dwight Muhammad Quarry. Yeah. The rematch, he obliterated Quarry, and he obliterated everybody else coming undisputed Cruiserweight champion of the world. He didn't start getting into uh, brawls until he became a heavyweight. He was a shorter guy. I'm, hope, I'm hoping Usyk is smart enough not to go that same route. All right, now, were there any categories that Ring dealt with that we didn't? Yes, I'll go into a couple of them. I'll go into a couple. There was a two or three. Uh, I'll tell you exactly. They have a trade of the year. We don't have a trade of That's not our award. 
Uh, their trade of the year was Vasily Lobachenko's father out of Tony Lobachenko. Uh, I can't argue with it because he is trading two of the fighters in the world in Lobachenko and Usyk. You trade those two guys, you're the trader of the year, period. End of story. Well, also Canelo's trainer. I mean, I gotta give you gotta give it to him because I gotta give it to the to the Reynoso brothers because up until he fought Triple G that second time, I thought they would just want they would just glorify bucket boys. I always thought Canelo and De La Hoya devised a strategy, and Reynoso was just receiving a check because they're childhood friends of Canelo's father. That's it. That's the only reason they're the trainers, because they were tight with the Alvarez family. That was it. Because the entire Alvarez family are boxers, including the father. I think the dogs are boxers, too. That's the only reason. <laughs> but they came up with the perfect strategy to put Triple G on his heels. I, I, I never would have thought that, and it was perfect. So, yes, kudos to the Reynoso brothers. As they finally earned their paycheck, their lifetime paycheck, from the Alvarez <laughs> yeah, now, we had a, we we had a couple of awards, obviously that they didn't have like Pussy of the Year. Yeah, and, yeah, we uh, had Network of the Year and Promotion of the Year. Ring, and, and, yeah, which I'm surprised Ring Magazine doesn't do. Uh, but yeah, we had a couple of years. Let me go on to another award that they had that we didn't have. There might only be one award. All right, Prospect of the Year, and this was a no-brainer. Chiafimo Lopez is definitely the prospect. He's the hottest prospect in boxing right now. And that one-punch knockout of Maynard, and now recently his one-punch knockout of Magdalena. I mean, the boys are hot, hot, hot prospects. He reminds me of a young Hector Camacho. Hope he doesn't go into the same vice. <laughs> so who's he going to fight next? Oh, you know, they, they can't throw him in with any more stiffs. They got to put him in with a major name next time. So who would you like him to see? Who would you like to see? I would love him. I would love him. He's a lightweight. Who a lightweight? I would love to see him fight a Robert Easter, but I don't see that happening. Easter's a premier PBC fighter. Lopez is a top-ranked Aaron fighter. Who does top rank have that lightweight? Uh, Jorge Linares. He would knock out Linares because Linares just got knocked out in the first round. But put him in the ring with Linares. Yeah, I would like to see that fight. Okay. But, I mean, in his division, who's the, who's at the top right now? Lomachenko. And how would he do against him? That fight's going to happen. They're both promoted by Arab. It won't happen this year, but that fight's going to happen. While Teofimo Lopez has a lot of natural ability, and he's fun to watch, they fight 200 times. He gets his ass kicked 200 times by Lomachenko. <laughs> All right. So no one's touching Lomachenko, huh? No! So Mikey Garcia gets his ass kicked against Spence. He can go down lightweight. I, to this day, I still say Garcia is the perfect fighter to beat Lomachenko. Other than, okay. other than that, and Tevin Farmer, who also has a shot at beating uh, Lomachenko. He's a softball or like Lomachenko. He's a great defensive fighter. I think he has an outside shot. Look to my head, I would say Lomachenko, but it will not be easy, and I can see Farmer possibly doing enough to win a decision. So, yeah, there's guys out there for Lomachenko to fight. Cool. Okay, so anything else you want to say about this list? 
And that's it. I mean, uh, they, they got uh, they got one last song. They got one last award that they that they do. Most inspirational fight figure of the year, and uh, they Gotta gave be... to Brendan. No, they gave oh. who? Uh, you would have thought Tyson Fury, right? Yeah. I would have thought nope. that too. No, they gave it to Nassim Hamed's former trainer, Brendan Ingle. What? Why? Do you know why? Oh, he died. He died last year. That's why. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Well, hey. yeah, yeah. he, he was battling Alzheimer's disease for many, many years. So it's understandable. Understandable. Totally. Sentimental yeah. award. Yeah. Um. But uh. But anyway, so he got comeback but, fight so, of the year, right? And Fury was Tyson one Fury. of their runner-ups. So I, 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 I they did. Acknowledge him as a runner-up in that category, and he was in two awards for them. Ring Magazine had two awards he was part of: the Round of the Year and the Comeback Fighter of the Year. <clears throat> and um, all right, so we're going to look forward to any. You want to make any predictions on uh, who's going to be the fighter of the year next year? You think? Oh yeah, that's that, that, that's a great, that's a great, great, great question, and um. Uh, Right now, looking at looking at the the boxing landscape, eh, we have a lot of major fights from now to June. A lot of major mismatches. Uh, in a couple of like, all right, in next month you got Errol Spence versus Mikey Garcia. I could definitely see the winner of that fight being the fighter of the year. You have uh, Fury versus Wilder, the rematch of June. I could easily see the winner of that fight being fighter of the year, especially if the winner fights Joshua. I could see Joshua being fighter of the year if he fights the winner of Fury Wilder and beats the winner of Fury Wilder. And I, yeah, oh yeah, better than before. Hands down. I could see, I could see Usyk being fighter of the year if he fights Joshua or Wilder before the end of the year and beats them again. Fighter of the year if he beats Spence and then goes down and beats Lomachenko. So there's a lot of strong possibilities right now. Who has, who has won fighter of the year twice in a row? Oh, uh, Evander Holyfield, Matty Pacquiao, Muhammad Ali. Uh, there's been a few. Mike Tyson. There's been a few. Okay. But not uh, the Ring Magazine Award is their boxing MVP award. It's, the, it's equivalent to baseball, football, and basketball's MVP. It's the most valuable fighter of the year. And right. so the guy who's won it the most, I don't even have to say his name. <laughs> picture of, he's the picture of our podcast. <laughs> of course. He's won it six times. Ali has won it six times. Holyfield has won it like three or four times. Baddy Pacquiao has won it like three or four times. Floyd Mayweather's won it twice. Uh, James Tony's won it twice. Um, so these, uh, Joe Lewis has won it a few times. Sugar Ray Robinson. It's been a lot of multiple winners. All right, well, uh, we'll look forward to it. And, uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard's won it twice. Tommy Hearns has won it, has won it twice. So there's been a few, a few multiple winners. All right, real quick, do you have a plan for our next uh, greatest performances? Yes, yes. I came up with it right before you called me. The next greatest performance in boxing history will be one of the guys that I believe has been unfairly shunned. He's been on the ballot for years and still has not got inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. We'll be doing the two guys back-to-back. The next two 
uh, guys will talk about it. This will make our boy Mark Red happy because he's the two of his all-time favorite fighters. Nigel Bed next week and the week after Chris Eubank. So Nigel Bed next week will be our uh, next greatest performance in boxing history. Uh, great British middleweight, super middleweight of the late 80s to mid-90s. Tremendous, great knockout fighter. and was one of the greatest fights of all time, a fight that we covered, which that will be one of the that will be one of the fights we talked about because we talked about that fight already, the greatest performance, but uh, the greatest fight series. So Nigel, the Dark Destroyer, what a nickname, the Dark Destroyer, uh, Nigel Penn. Yeah. And what will be our next fight recap show? Definitely the Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia fight, which is occurring exactly four weeks from last night. Does we say it again? It's when is it? March sixteenth, four weeks from yeah, uh, exactly a month away. Four weeks away. Okay. All right. So that's what we're looking forward to on this show. Thanks everyone for listening. We're on YouTube again, so check us out, search us out there, and then on iTunes, Stitcher, and Geekdom101.com. Shout out to Big D and One Silverman. Have a good one. All right. Um all those people that got today off like myself for tomorrow, enjoy your President's Day, and we'll be back next week talking another movie for Black History Month and talking about The Dark Destroyer, Nigel Ben. Yeah, check us out on our movie show. We just did The Inevitable Defeat of Mr. Mister and Pete. And uh, we'll talk soon. Once over. Have a good one. You got it, big man. Later. Peace. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.